0: We're going to finish this series tonight. It's been a wonderful study on how to obtain fullness of power. Amen? How to obtain fullness of power. And we've said it's not power just for power's sake. It's not like Simon the sorcerer who said, here, I'll give you some money. Let me pay you that whoever I lay my hands on can receive this gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's the wrong frame of mind. It's God wants us to walk in power, but that power is... For Jesus' sake, it's for His glory. That we would walk in victory over temptation. That we would walk in the fullness of His power of faith. You know, when we pray and different things like that, it's for God's glory. It's not so that a lot of attention can be brought to me. You know, when Peter and John uh, were used by the Lord to heal the lame man and then they preached and 5,000 people got saved. It was a platform, right? The healing was through their lives. They had the gift. That God had given them by the Holy Spirit and the power. These signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, that hadn't changed in our day. They laid hands on the sick and the lame and he recovered and went leaping and praising God. And when the people rushed and they wanted to uh they looked upon Peter and John as though there were something supernatural themselves. And they said, Why do you look on us as though by our own power you know that we were able to do this. The God of our fathers, the Lord Jesus Christ, He sent His Son. You know, God sent His Son Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that this this man is healed. And so, remember that it's not power for power's sake; it's power for God's sake and for His glory. So, I'm excited about this last section that we're on. And this last section that we're on, which we started last week and we should finish tonight, is uh, the power of a surrendered life. You can't get much better than that, amen. The power of a surrendered life, and we looked at it last week. There's what comes to a life that's fully surrendered to God. You could probably fill in many things, many, many more than maybe what we're going to discuss in our series. But uh, what we looked at last week was that when the will is surrendered fully to God, when the life is yielded to the Lord. You know, when we're yielded, that that word means to, to place oneself wholly at the disposal of another. To place oneself wholly at the disposal of another. That means he can use us how he wants to. He can do what he sees best. Like the potter has power over the clay. But we can be clay and fight against God's dealing in our lives. It's not, it wouldn't be for our benefit, but we can do it, and we have done it before, and it's not for God's glory. Doesn't mean we're not His child. If we're His child, we're His child. We're born again. But we can fight against His dealings in our lives, not wanting to yield fully to God. Maybe in this area, or in this area. And the only, the power is going to come to that life that's fully surrendered. And one of the things we'll notice that comes to us is, an understanding, like there's this spiritual understanding or knowledge that comes more completely when we're surrendered. When we argue and we we might be confused about some doctrinal things or I just don't get it. and I wonder if the baptism is really for today. I've heard some people say it is and some people that I respect say it's not. And we argue and we fret over things and we don't have a piece about it. Uh, the... the All that's settled in our hearts and minds when we surrender to the Lord. He has a way of taking that and just making it clear. And I'll give you a Scripture to prove what I'm saying. We talked about this last week. John 7, 17. Jesus said, If any man will do his will. If any man will do. It doesn't say hear it. Clap for it. Write it down. Memorize it. Do cartwheels about it. If any man will do his will. Obedience to the Father. He will know of the doctrine. He will know of the doctrine. In other words, we'll know spiritually we'll have an understanding, right? We'll understand it if we're yielded to do His will. Not if we're sitting in judgment, looking at it, saying, I wonder if I do it, what's going to happen to my life? I know I haven't really, I'm just picking this example. I haven't really, uh, I'm saved and I haven't really started tithing because finances have been tight. And so I'm rationalizing in my mind. I've heard some arguments for it and against it. And now I'm just thinking of my own life. If I start to tithe, what's that really going to look like? Because right now, I'm barely breaking even right now. And so I'll judge it in that way. That's not how that works. The judge shall live by faith. We've talked about it for eight straight weeks on Sunday mornings. If any man will do his will, then he'll understand and know spiritually the doctrine. He'll know that it's God. I haven't really been praying the way I should. I'm a believer. God's been dealing with my heart about prayer. Uh, He's convicted me about it. He's shown me that I need to step it up in my prayer life and be more consistent in my prayer life. And I haven't done it yet. I wonder, you know, what's the big deal about prayer? And I know that there are scriptures that say it, that emphasize it, but I haven't really noticed that much effect in my life. If any man will do his will, he will know the doctrine. God just clears it up. We don't have to go to seminary. God is able to clear it up whatever confusion and shadows and little reservations that we might have. He's able to clear those things up to the obedient, to the one who surrendered fully to his will, and it will obey the Lord above all things. So that's one thing that comes to the life of us that's fully surrendered to God. His understanding of His doctrine and of the things of God. The other that we talked about last week, whatsoever we ask, that has to do with our prayer life, whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. We're not saved in that manner. We're saved by grace through faith. But now that I've been saved by grace through faith, John says to that believer, whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments. That's surrender, right? Surrender to His will. When it's easy, when it's hard, you know, surrender to the will of God. We keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. That is going to greatly affect not only how we pray, but it's going to affect the answers to our prayers. That's pretty clear on that, that passage right there. So I want to move on tonight and look at another thing. How is my life, or the life of the believer, strengthened? What power comes to the life of the believer who is now fully yielded to God? And let's look at this. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15, verse 10. Now we know this chapter is where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches and he's the vine and so forth. But let's look at this in John 15. Skip down to verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And the author makes a wonderful point. This is another of many blessings that come to a life that's fully surrendered to God. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is not the world's joy. The joy of the Lord is not based upon everything going right in our lives. It's not based upon that we were healed. We were sick and now we're healed. That we're struggling financially. Now we've got more money than we know what to do with. I didn't have any friends and now I've got lots of friends. It's not based on any of that. Paul said, I've learned to be content, right? With much or little. And beyond contentment, he says here, and had nothing to do with circumstances or situations, he said, if you keep my commandments, that to me is, is being yielded to the will of God. You shall abide in my love. Abide means you dwell there. You don't visit from time to time. This is my resting place. You're in my hiding place. This is the... the uh, breath that I breathe, this is the the environment that I live in, so to speak, is dwelling in the love of God. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Well, I want to do that. Amen? I want to abide in His love. He's helping me to know how. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments. You know, Jesus had to be obedient. He was obedient. He did it joyfully. He said in the Psalms, I delight to do thy will O my God. Thy law is within my heart. But the Bible does say he was obedient unto death. He humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, the death on the cross. And so even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided his love, these things have I spoken unto you. He wanted them to know that it's their secrets. The world doesn't know about it. Okay, the world can read it, but the world doesn't know about it here or here or spiritually discern it. We know the scripture, the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He cannot know them. They're spiritually discerned. But he he gives us a secret to his disciples about abiding in him. And then he says, these things I've spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. This is soon before he's going to be crucified. Okay, my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I want my joy to be full. I want your joy to be full. Jesus wants all of our joy to be full. That word "full" there um, literally means uh, filled full. It means it means cramped. If you look up the word, and, and uh, you know, the picture to me. It gives the example, example, like a net that's full. So in that story we've, we've talked about recently in Luke, where the Lord says, Peter, let your net down for a draw. And he says, we've told all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. And he lets down the net and he's pulling it up. And it's so heavy, he's got to call his partners to help him. The net was crammed full. And in fact, it was about to break. It started to break. Is a good thing because it was filled with fish. He was a fisherman. That's what it was a miracle, it was a blessing. But that's the same word where it says that your joy might be full. It means filled full. It means crammed full. The world knows nothing about that. When the world's team wins the Super Bowl, they're happy. And they riot and they flip cars over, okay? Because they're so excited. And but that fades really quick, and by the next day they're wondering. What players are coming back next year and who we're gonna lose from off of our team? And I wonder if we got the chance to repeat. And it's just a short lived. You know, you got a t-shirt, says World Champs, and it wears out and you're cutting grass in it, using it to wipe up paint that you spill pretty soon. It it just comes and goes. All right? But that's not his joy that my joy might remain in you. How does it come if you keep my father's commandments? You will abide in my love. As I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And He spoke it to you. Here's why I'm telling you this. One of the reasons that my joy might remain in you. Was Jesus ever depressed? No. He he was never depressed. His heart was broken over things that they should have been broken. His heart was beating with the Father's heart. What should have made Him sad, made Him sad. What should have made Him angry, the Bible says be angry and sin not. He was angry at times. Like when the money changes, it turned the temple into a den of thieves and it was supposed to be a house of prayer. But He, he never sinned in any of these things. And depression or gloom, you know, I'm, I would put myself right there, but it's a sin. It's not honoring to the Lord. Okay, just like worry. Oh, I'm so worried about this. That's not honoring to the Lord. But my point is, Jesus was not depressed. He wants His joy... To remain in us. Okay? And it comes as we, we yield to Him. So we need to yield ourselves to God. And there's no joy. And if you have lived this way, I pray you haven't, but if you have, you know what I'm talking about. There's no joy in halfway serving God. Has anybody in here done that? Is there any point in your testimony? If you haven't, hallelujah. You have a... A wonderful testimony and I'd be envious of of your testimony. But there's no joy in halfway serving God. In halfway yielding to the Lord. In halfway being committed to God. In halfway obeying God. And keeping my eyes on Jesus half the time and on the world half the time. I could be the poster child for that but just because I know by experience, I know it from the word of God, okay, but I also know it by experience. It's not something I'm proud of, but it's part of my life. The compromise where I was saved and halfway lived for God. There's no joy in that. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus is saying, Abide in me. Keep, if you keep my father's commandments, you will abide. Dwelling place. In the Father's love, just like I've done, and abide in my Father's love. This is where your joy is going to come from. If you're not a happy person, typically, and I'm not a happy person typically, we can be. God can do that in our lives. It's not fake. It's not, you know, looking like, you know, some clown where you paint lipstick up to here, making like a big smile. Um, It's real joy that abides in our hearts is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Love, joy. Okay? And so, uh, there's no happy, <clears throat> happiness or joy in a halfway surrendered life. And Tory makes the point, he goes, and you might have known some people like this. I would have been a person like this. He said, uh, he said, many Christians, so-called Christians, have just enough religion to make them miserable. They can no longer enjoy the world and have not entered into the fullness of Christ's joy either. So you know what I'm talking about? It is not Israel coming out of Egypt and slavery a good picture of that? God brought them out with the high hand of God in a miraculous fashion. He want to bring them through this journey through the wilderness which was something they could have easily accomplished within three weeks or a month or so, and bring them into the Promised Land. So there's the slavery and bondage, and then there's the land that flows with milk and honey and all the blessings. And in between is this wilderness. Well, Israel got out in the wilderness, and that's where they lived, and that's where they died. That whole older generation, they never got there, but they weren't here anymore. And a lot of Christians gets stalled down right here. They get bogged down right here. It's kind of like Lot's wife. She's out of Sodom. and But she's looking back because there's something there that she's still longing for. It's There's some attachment. People, possessions. Something that was there in Sodom. And yet God's getting her out and, and sparing her, but she looked back. And that that's, not, uh, that's a miserable place to be. Amen. That is exactly why when I was in that situation, the Lord knows what He's doing. I didn't know my Bible wonderfully. I knew it. I read it. I think I was saved at that time. But He spoke to me that from, from Revelation, the church at Laodicea, that I would rather you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, it's not just a church. He told that to me, okay? And you can dissect it any way you want. Theologically, I just knew that it was time for me to get serious about God. And He wanted me to know that, okay? And so I was unhappy. I was unhappy. I was joyless. I was miserable. And if you're there, don't stay there. Don't stay there one more day. There's nothing the world has to offer. Sodom had nothing for Lot or his wife back there. You know what I'm saying? This world has nothing. God set us free
1: from the
0: punishment and the guilt of sin, but also from the power of sin. And there's a whole big promised land in Jesus that's ahead of us. He wants us to walk in it day by day. you want to be joyful, surrender your life to God. Surrender your life to be to God. I would actually have been happier, not more joyful, but I've been happier if I could have just run back fully into the world. I know I couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's, it's wonderful. People are afraid sometimes to absolutely surrender to God. Satan is a master uh, of... He's a liar and the father of lies and he whispers little lies that we think are our own that we thought it up. But it was Satan needs used to tell me if you surrender your life to God fully like those preachers are talking about, like the Bible talks about, like you know you should do, if you really do that, you won't have a friend in the world. Nobody else is like that. Randy, look around you. No, nobody you know is sold out to Jesus Christ. You're going to look like a weird weirdo. You're not going to have a friend in the world. And your life's going to be miserable. And I listened to that lie and I heeded it and I went with it. It's a lie. You want to be joyful? Surrender to God. Jesus said, The prince of this world cometh, that's Satan, and has nothing in me. You know what that is? That's a life fully surrendered to the Father. We say he's God in the flesh. I understand that. But that is a good description. The prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. Didn't have any hooks in it. There were no little shadows in Jesus where he compromised over here, and, you know, kind of weak over here in his faith and real tempted to do this over here. I uh, can get him with that. I can get him with pride. I can get him with laziness. I can get... He had nothing in the Lord. And there's a singleness to that, right? The singleness of heart. The singleness of purpose. And there's a joy that comes in that. You can be dirt poor and be joyful because your heart's not divided and you can sleep at night and you lost every friend in the world but guess what you learned? There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother and I learned that and he sent me so many other things. The devil is a liar. I'm so glad that I surrendered to the Lord but but the point is some people are afraid. They're afraid they won't have any friends. That was my thing. Uh, Somebody might be afraid. I know what God's like. He's going to send me to Africa. He's going, I know he's going to send me to India. I'm going to live in a mud hut with no air conditioning. You know, and and he's going to send me to China. And you know what? He might. I'm not saying he's not. But he may not. Whatever he does in your life, you're going to be joyful, though. If you surrender to God and he sent you to Africa to live in a mud hut, you you would be joyful in doing it. And you'd be unhappy here in the U.S. in a big house with air conditioning. You would be longing to be in Africa if God sent you there and called you to it. You understand what I'm pointing. There's a real joy. And I think it's accompanied with the peace. Peace I give you, my peace I, I give give unto you, right? Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto thee. And here he's talking about joy. And so um, Satan says we're gonna have to give up this, this, and this, and this. And our flesh says, you're right, I'll have to give up this, 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 and this. And I'm afraid to. We might have to give up all those things. I don't know. Just give give it all to God, and it's His anyway. Amen. He'll let you keep what He wants you to keep. And I can promise you this: He's going to bless you with a lot of things you didn't have and don't have now. I wouldn't. There's no comparison to my life now, just my whole life. Okay, now to what it was then. I wouldn't trade it. How foolish I was. That's what Asaph said. I was impious of the wicked. How foolish I was. I was temporarily insane, and God showed me the truth and praise God. And so surrender to God. surrender to the Lord, and that's, that's the one way that you' can have that fullness of joy. I want to give a quick uh, testimony. There was, there was not, a, 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 I guess, a historical testimony of one of the, the early martyrs that was being burned at the stake. And he, as he was being led to be burned at the stake, he threw his arms around the stake and cried out, Welcome, cross of Christ. Welcome, eternal life. What is he saying there? The the people around that had to have some kind of effect on them. He's not just lunatic. He's welcoming that. Because there's a joy. He surrendered to the will of God. He surrendered fully to that. Okay? And it's going to bring joy. It's gonna. We'll be abiding in His love, and, and and filled with His joy. And the last thing we'll look at on on in this book, actually, is the next result. And I want you to turn with me, if you would, if you're still in John, look back at chapter fourteen. And this is very uh, near to when he was going to be arrested. And this is within the last twenty-four hours. Okay, he's with his disciples. Jesus is. And he says this to them in John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Okay, so he's saying he that has my commandments, they've been given to us, and that keeps those commandments. That's yielded to God. Surrender to His will, not mine. I'm keeping the commandments of the Lord. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Well, that's a test of our love for God. But look what happens to this one who loves God and keeps His commandments. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him And will manifest myself to him. The Lord puts that. You can't deny it. He puts the second half of that verse. In conjunction with. Keeping the commandments of God. He that has my commandments. And keeps them he it is that loves me. And he that loves me. Will be loved by my father. And I will love him. And guess what else I'll do. I'll manifest myself to him. Well, you know God loves loves everybody, but everybody's not in a loving relationship with God. this is what he's talking about. God so loved the world. He loves the sinners. He loved us when we were sinners. He still loves sinners today that don't love him, but they don't have any kind of loving relationship with him. And I will love him. He'll love me and I'll love him. And my father will love him. And guess what? I'm going to come and I'm going to manifest myself to him. A lost person has no clue of that. They could be the head of a seminary. But if they're not born again, they don't have Jesus coming to them personally and manifesting himself to them. That is something you have as a believer that's precious and then I have that's valuable. And so a surrendered life, a self-surrendered over to God it's it when, when we surrender to the Lord, the Lord uh, comes to us. We surrender fully to Him. Now we know He came for us when we were yet sinners. So I'm not talking about the salvation experience and Jesus coming to the cross. I'm talking about you getting up in the morning and maybe you're too busy for God and you rush off through the day. Maybe days pass and then all of a sudden one of your children is sick and you cry out to God to heal him. Okay, or you hear they're giving out laying people off at work, and you start crying out to God. But there was a lot of time between you know your last prayer time and this. But the Lord's there, He says, When you love me and keep my commandments, my Father and I are gonna love you, and I'm gonna come to you and manifest myself to you. So, when we a full manifestation of Jesus Christ. Uh, We're going to receive that when we see Him, we'll be like Him. So that full, complete revelation of the Lord and nearness to God. You know what I'm saying? In a glorified body. That That all is going to happen at the rapture one day when we see Him. But between now and then, we can walk with the Lord in a real nearness and have Him come to us. I want to keep His commandments. That honors Him. And the, the psalmist said, in keeping of them, there's great reward. So there's blessings to my life. Number one, it honors the Lord. Number two, number three, just because he said so and he's God, he's worthy of my obedience. But he also just keeps heaping on blessings on top of that. That I'm going to come to you and I'm going to manifest. So you're at work and everybody's a lot of lost people around you and. It's a lost conversation and things like that going on around you. And everybody's doing so such and such and you don't do it. And it draws attention to yourself. And people notice it. Maybe even you speak up and testify of Christ and why you're not doing it. The Lord is pleased with that. He's going to manifest Himself to you. You understand what I'm saying? Or I feel like I don't have enough money to tie, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. Bam, here it is. You're actually not giving it to the church. You're giving it to God. You give it to the Lord. And this happens to be where you give, okay? But the Lord's going to come and manifest Himself to you. There are blessings that you couldn't put a price tag on. There are blessings that the world knows nothing, nothing about. And there are blessings that you and I may know little about that we could know much about. We could walk in those blessings. And we'd be like Asaph saying, man, why was I ever envious of the wicked? This is so wonderful. Knowing Jesus is so wonderful. You know, welcome cross of Christ and he embraces the state, this martyr. Uh, That comes through a life that's yielded to God. He's not trying to be brave and put on a show. There are testimony after testimony of those of our brothers and sisters in Christ that have been martyred and did it with such joy and such courage it's because the Lord was real to them they could have backed out at any minute if God wasn't real to them but they didn't and so uh, it's, it's a, a blessing the Bible says then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord that was in Jesus post resurrection ministry when they saw it was the Lord they were glad you know what because he came and manifest himself to them and whatever else they were occupied with, fishing on the boat and coming back and he had some fish cooked for him on the shore, when they saw it was the Lord, they were glad. Because he, pre- he uh, surpasses everything else in this life. Whatever things, worldly things, not sinful things, whatever worldly things they were occupied with became secondary, by far. They were glad when it was the Lord. It's Jesus. Peter jumped in the water and started swimming. Okay? We want to get there first. We want to get to the Lord. uh, Because the Lord does that. Now, I will say this, that nobody obeys the Lord like Jesus is talking about in John 14. He that has my commandments and keeps them. Uh, We don't do it in our own strength. But we should never lack the strength to obey the Lord. We can never say, well, God didn't give me the strength. That's a sermon for another day. But I just want us to know that... We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And guess what? He does strengthen us. He does strengthen us. Well, He strengthened Stacy, but He didn't strengthen me. He strengthened Damien, but He didn't strengthen me. No, if I belong to Him, He does strengthen us. We call upon Him. We need to rely upon His strength to do that and to walk in it. Some people might say, looking at that verse, He that has my commandments and keeps them... They might say, well, I'll keep these commandments, but I don't think these are important. Don't do that. I'm not talking about going under the law. I'm not talking about offering blood sacrifices. I'm not talking about observing uh, Sabbath days and things like that. I'm talking about what the Lord has spoken through his word that a follower of his away were to walk. Okay, some are very specific in the Bible and some people will say, I'll do this and this, but I don't think I'm going to do this over here. I think this is little. I love the way he put it. He says, don't just obey. He goes, just obey the Lord. Don't ask which is great and small. Don't ask which commandment is important and which is unimportant. The only question we have to ask is which commandment is his, which commandment is God's. And that's all we need to worry about. Keep the commandments that are God's, not of men. Because in Jesus' day, in Judaism, the, the Jews over the years had added uh, many commandments and burdened men down, but burdened their lives down with commandments that he never commanded them to do. But the Jewish leaders did and made the people hold toe the line, or try to toe the line. And Jesus even said, you yourselves don't even keep the commandments. You know, but he says, you, you teach for doctrine the commandments of men. Don't do that. All we have to do, don't say this is a big commandment or a little. Ask, is it God's commandment or not? If it's His, it's big. If it's His, it's to be obeyed. Don't even wrestle with it. That's where we lose our peace and everything. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to think about it. i will pray about it. Don't pray about it. Do it. Some things you don't pray about. Some things you obey. You just do. I'm going to pray about going to church today. Just get up and go to church. You already know you're supposed to do that. It sounds very spiritual, but it's really not. You know? Um, And so, uh, coming to the point where we say, I surrender my life absolutely and wholly and completely to you and to you right now. And that's where God's going to come and He's going to show Himself. Show me Yourself, Lord. He's not afraid for you to pray that. Come to this altar tonight. Say, Lord, I've been holding back X, Y, and Z. And I'm giving you tonight X, Y, and Z. Now show yourself to me. You promised in Your Word you're going to do that. I I need You and I want You and I long for You and I want to want You more. But would You show me Yourself? Manifest Yourself to me. The last thing I said that was the last thing. It's one more, just real quickly. We've spent so much time on this, but uh, let's look at this in Acts. Well, I'll just I'll just read it for time's sake. In Acts five thirty-two, it speaks uh, of the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey Him. The Holy Ghost is given, whom God has given. To them that obey him. We know the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We know that Jesus says, When I send to the Father, I will; uh, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit back. When I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come in my name. Okay, so there's the whole Trinity there involved in it. The Lord wants us to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of His Spirit. And the Holy Ghost in that way, in the fullness that we're talking about, the baptism, is given. God hath given to them that obey Him. Well, we can only obey Him up to the extent that we know. But we can do that. Right? I can obey what God shows me to obey and maybe tomorrow there'll be something I didn't realize I needed to obey and He'll teach me that and then I can start walking in obedience to that. I don't pressure myself over that. I trust God to show me. Okay. But I can walk with a clean conscience and obedience to God today. Okay, God, you showed me to do this. I need your strength to do that. I desire to do it. Help me to do it. He will every time, every person. Okay. But um, there are people that have prayed for and agonized for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're, They're Christians. They're saved. Their body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But they want the baptism. They know God wants it for them. They've agonized over it. And, but unless there's... They might deal with individual sins and so forth, but unless unless there's total surrender, they're not going to receive. It's probably going to avail nothing. There has to be surrender of the life to the Lord. I don't think that the, those 120 in the upper room were perfect. I think they were surrendered. They weren't perfect. God had a lot of work to do in their lives and would do in their lives. But they were surrendered. He said, wait for the promise. Guess what they did? They waited for the promise. He didn't say wait for 30 minutes, an hour, three days, 10 days, six months. He said, wait for the promise. And they surrendered and they waited for the promise. And as they waited for the promise, fully yielded to God, they received. They received when? When God was ready. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They received. And sometimes we struggle and I I sympathize for for someone that's praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit has not received. But I do know that God's going to do it. There has to be, though, a surrender, complete surrender to the Lord. And when that individual does, God will do it. It may come in some rushing mighty wind. It might come in a still small voice. It's going to come in power. That baptism. Holy Ghost is not yet. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is going to come in power. Maybe it's a confidence you have when you receive. Do you know that you've received that the Lord is near? I feel the Lord nearer to me than ever before. I feel that uh, He's answering my prayers. That my prayers are getting through and reaching Heaven. He's going to show us And we're going to know that we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm going to close with these thoughts. The great secret of power with God is the Holy Spirit's presence and filling. I don't think that's stretching. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And other scriptures that I could quote. So I'm going to read this again from the author. The great secret of power with God is the Holy Ghost's presence and filling. We're talking about for a believer. Sure, you have to be saved. Okay? And the great secret of having the Holy Ghost fill us is the surrendered will a will in our life yielded to God. Yield yourselves unto God. The Bible says in Romans 6, 13, as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So what have we looked at in this study, in previous chapters? Power belongs to God. The the, the psalmist says, God had spoken once, yea, twice have I heard this, that power belongs unto God. And so how is it going to become mine? We talked about the power of the Word of God. We talked about the power in the life of a believer. We talked about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We talked about the power of the Holy Ghost. We talked about the power of prayer. And all of those things come to the believer, the one that surrendered to God, as we yield fully to God. He's not asking for our perfection. He'll work in us to complete that. He is asking for our will, which we do have control over, to be fully or perfectly yielded to Him. You can't perfectly yield yourself to God. And if you find out tomorrow, a week from now, a month from here, now, a year from now, oh, there was something I didn't realize. I thought I had yielded all to God, but He showed me I have not given my children to Him fully. Then, at that moment, it's not, it, it's not a sin. It would only be a sin if I continue to not yield my children to God. He just made me aware of it. And so now, when He makes me aware of it, Lord, I give You my children. I mean it. Help me to mean it. You love them more than I love them. You can take care of them better than I can take care of them. I put them in Your hands. You see what I'm saying? So there doesn't have to be sin in any of that. He reveals our heart to us, so we can be perfectly yielded to God at every, any and every moment of our Christian life. He'll work to perfect us and make us like His Son. But I can be, work to be yielded to God and be honest with myself. You know things about your life that I don't know about your life, that nobody else knows about your life. Those things that aren't yielded to God, that's what needs to be yielded to God. And we give ourselves fully to Him. Absolutely surrendered. So I'll just close. Will you yield yourself to the Lord? Will you do it tonight? You say, well, I've already done that 15 years ago. Well, I have too. But if there's something else, maybe you've never done it. You said, come into my heart and be my Savior. But you've never fully surrendered every single area of your life. Your future, your plans, your goals, your ambitions, your friends, your children, your finances, your education, uh, your home. You've never fully yielded everything over to God. That's what needs to be yielded to God. If we're going to walk in the fullness of what He has for us. Amen. Y'all stand with me tonight. I really pray that you would take advantage of this time. This is such a clean, clear, simple message. And, and you don't have to wonder what I was preaching about tonight. Okay? To lay hold on the Lord tonight. That these altars would be filled with people. Not for me. But these, this altar should be full. And we should be laying our lives down before the Lord. And maybe you don't even know. So ask God, God, is there anything in my life? And honestly, is there anything in my life I have not fully surrendered to you? I want to know it because it's holding me back from joy. It's holding me back from so many things that you have for me.
1: And I want to surrender it to you tonight.